Hi everyone, this is Steve Hargadon. Welcome to our Future of Education series. Today is Wednesday, June 17th, 2009. This is a terrific evening. We're going to have a discussion on the future of books and reading. We have five panelists, so I'm not going to ask them to shout out right now, but if they wouldn't mind clicking on the smiley face to let you know they're glad to be here, go ahead panelists, let the folks know you're here. Okay, and those of us who are in the audience, let's click on the clapping hand at the bottom of the participant window. It's a way of letting them know we're glad to be here. And it's a, it's a practice for using Illuminate. Thanks tonight to KnowledgeWorks for helping to sponsor the Future of Education interview series. Thanks to Illuminate as well. If you're going to NECC, we'll hope to see you at EduBloggerCon and or NECC Unplugged. Uh, both unconference events taking place at NECC at the end of this month. If this is your first time in Illuminate, I want to give you a little quick tour. At the top of your window, you'll see some icons that include a green check and a red X. If we wanted to ask you a yes or no question, if the if the panelists want to ask you something, yes or no, they can actually you can actually reply up there, and we can tabulate the results. You'll notice in your participant window that you can see the other people who are here. You, we've done the clapping and the smiley face. To the left of the smiley face and the clapping, you'll see hand with a green up arrow. And if you click that, it's raising your hand, and it lets us know that you want to talk, and we'll give you the microphone. Uh, in order to do that, you probably want to go to Tools Audio, Audio Setup Wizard, and check and make sure your mic is working in this environment. Um, so that uh, you're able to speak when we call on you. And we'll do some Q&A toward the end. You've got a chat window, and at the bottom of the chat window is an empty uh, box where you can type. Uh, you can send to the whole room, or you can send messages to other individuals by clicking the down uh, arrow uh, that says where it says this room, and you can click on an individual person. Just be aware that if you do try and send a, pri if you send a private message that way, uh, those of us who are monitoring do see it. So it's not entirely private. Um, if uh, for some reason you're having trouble with your audio and you want to join the teleconference, you can do so by clicking the little telephone handset icon in the lower right portion of the audio box. Okay, So now we get a chance for you uh, users to participate a little and tell us where you're coming from. I'm giving you permissions now to uh, draw on this map. And if you look to the left of the map, you'll see a little wand with a red star at the end. If you click on that and then click on your map, you can let us know where you're listening from. You can also shout out like some people are doing in the chat way ahead of the game. Looks like a very North American crowd tonight. We've been having really nice weather in California that's about to heat up tomorrow again. Okay, so we're going to move on from there. So tonight's a, a special night for me because I was able to invite some people that I really enjoy um, talking with. Um, some you'll know and some you might not. Um, but Bob Berg is here, Will Richardson, Travis Alber, Aaron Miller, and Maggie Sai. And, um, and rather than have them introduce themselves uh, at the start, what I'm going to do is uh, go through a, a couple of questions where I'll direct them to those individuals specifically and then ask them as a part of answering the questions 
to tell us a little bit about themselves. So I want to start um, with Bob. Uh, we're definitely going through some dramatic changes that relate to Web 2.0 and that relate specifically to uh, how we are gathering and then distributing uh, written material. Uh, for the audience, uh, Bob's the author of a book called The Go-Giver. Uh, and Bob, when you do your intro, you can tell us what else you have written. But I, this is a book I picked up in an airport bookstore, uh, loved, just loved the book, uh, did a search for it when I got home. There was a blog for The Go-Giver. I uh, responded a couple of times in the blog and then actually began an email correspondence uh, with Bob. So Bob, um, what's your percept? Tell us about yourself and then tell us a little bit about your perception of uh, how your interaction with the readers might be changing. Well, really about myself. It's um, a former television newscaster in a very small market years ago. I was not very good at it. In fact, I was about the worst you'd ever seen. And I quickly graduated <laughs> into sales and uh, just really read, studied, and learned as much as I could about sales and found that I really enjoyed it. To me, sales was a study in humanity and understanding people. And uh, really, it was nothing more than creating relationships with people. And I've always said it in my, my two books, uh, Endless Referrals, and in the latest one, you were kind enough to mention The Go-Giver, which I was privileged to co-author with John David Mann. And this is more of a, instead of it being a how-to, it's a business fable, so it's a, a fictional story. Uh, it, it's really, in a sense, based on what we call the golden rule of business or the golden rule of networking, which simply says all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Now, I suspect it's pretty much always been that way, and it's that way now. But the, the higher tech we get, the more important it is for the relationship to be the key. And as much as we can fall in love with technology, and by the way, I've never fallen in love with technology. I'm sort of slow when it comes to this stuff. I'm not what Malcolm Gladwell would call an early adapter. You know, I'm the guy who brilliantly said in the mid-90s that the Internet would never actually work. You know, so I'm not exactly a futurist or an early adapter to these things. I kind of come in kicking and screaming a lot of times. But what it comes down to is regardless of the medium, it's still all about the relationship. And as long as we understand that the, the medium is simply a tool to serve us and serve the other person and help us add value to the other person, we're always going to be okay. So regarding you know, your question about how it's, it's, it's changed communication with people, it's made it easier. It's made it a lot easier. At the same time, you know, I've seen people who aren't careful with it and they think the medium is the message. And it's really not. And that's where you get all the people, whether it's spamming or the, the autoresponders and the sales pitches on Twitter and Facebook and all these things where people are basically, they're meeting someone and they're asking for the marriage before the date. And they're really thinking that they're going to do business this way. And I don't believe they are, <laughs> at least not most people. And so that would really be my, my answer. And again, it's going to be in the most layperson's terms as opposed to our other panelists who you know, I'm honored to be on this panel with because I've seen the great things they've done with regards to technology. I'm really what would be called a rube. And so, uh, so really, I simply use the technology to help further the relationship, uh, and that's pretty much it. 
So Bob, can you um, has there been a difference for you? Uh, when did you what, when did you write the first book? Well, the first book was written in it came out in 1994, Endless Referrals, which is basically a how-to guide for people who are in sales but don't like the idea that they actually have to sell. So it's really how to very easily create win-win relationships and referral-based businesses. Now, uh, the book is, has had a good run. It sold close to 200,000 copies since it's been out. We've done two re revisions since. Uh, the last one was in 2005. And sure, we revised in terms of including the technology. Of course, the last one that came out in 2005, that was really before Facebook took off. Uh, and certainly before Twitter took off. So if I ever did a, a, a revision to the revision to the revision, I'd obviously have to put those in. But you know what? The principles are still the same. It still comes down to the relationship and, and who can really focus on the other person. Instead of being me-focused or I-focused, it's can I be you-focused or other-focused? Can I, can I focus on adding value to your life? And it's the person who does that that's always going to find a way to be successful they're simply going to have more uh, uh, more distribution channels, in a sense, to be able to do that through through modern technology. So part of what I found so interesting, Bob, about your blog was that I was in contact with other readers of the blog. And then I, I haven't um, been able to follow up on this, but I think some of your readers actually even started holding events that got publicized through the blog. Is that the case? Yeah, we had a we hold a, an event every year called now this is uh, John David Mann is my um, uh, co-author. Uh, of course, we all we each have our own different businesses, but I also, along with Tom Scott, who's my business partner, we have an event every year called Extreme Business Makeovers, which is a business event. And there was a group of young entrepreneurs: Bradley Will, uh, Gabe Strong, uh, Brian Tompkins, uh, Gil Malott, who kind of took the idea of the go-giver and they decided to make a tour out of it where they would go to different cities, have all these different meetups and tweet-ups and all these other different things, and, and they'd actually it would be with the central focus of being the go-giver, uh, go but the end goal was to come to Orlando to the Extreme Business Makeover event. Now, here's a couple interesting things. We probably had about 200 people at the event. Nice-sized crowd, good people. What was interesting is the first time I've ever been to one of our events where people were coming in and when they met each other, they already knew each other. There were already good relationships that had been established through Facebook and Twitter and email and all these different things. So people already had that feeling of no like and trust going in. Now during the actual event, that's a three-day event, it was amazing the kind of spirit uh, there was uh, there. I mean, people were, were looking to, for what they could add to other people. People were not pitching other people. They were instead asking how they could know who would be a good prospect for the other person. How could I be of help to you? There were combinations of different transactions going on the whole time, people doing joint, arranging joint ventures, and it's been going on steadily since that time. So it, it's really been an amazing thing. And again, it's through the, the medium of the Internet, but it's still these four guys did a terrific job of building the relationships. Thanks, Bob. Um, so I want to I move on and, and ask Will to, to step up next. 
because I, it was after this experience with Bob's blog that I really started thinking about the change nature of the relationship of the uh, the reader to the author and the readers with each other. And I kept looking at the Kindle, and here is the Kindle, and it's got it's got electronic books, it's got a keypad, and it's got an internet connection. And I kept thinking, when are they going to toggle the magic switch and let us as readers talk to each other? So, Will, you you blogged on a Stephen Johnson article in the Wall Street Journal. Can you first introduce yourself, and then would you talk a little bit about that blog post? Sure. And uh, first of all, thanks for inviting me to this, Steve. It's uh, it's a really interesting conversation right now, one that's uh, definitely in, in uh, I think, a really disruptive phase. Obviously, we're, we're looking at a lot of different tools and a lot of different uh, ways of going about reading and writing now. And 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 that. Uh, that particular article I thought was was really interesting, not even so much about the Kindle, but because of what you suggested, the, the really social nature of reading now that uh, I think is very different from certainly when I was uh, growing up as a kid um, and, and still even different from uh, when I was in the classroom teaching just a few years ago. Um, I find it really exciting, but I also find it now kind of frustrating and um, you know, I'm, I'm in, in that particular blog post. I think what I was just trying to express was um, to to kind of uh, be aware of the moment and and to uh, have fun with it, um, to uh, experiment with it. I know that a lot of people have have very um, kind of close uh, beliefs or very long-held beliefs about books and about the way we read and and about the physical nature of books and. Um, I think that uh, this is the first time probably ever that those those kind of old traditions and those old um, ways that we look at the process of reading and even writing are, are being significantly challenged and that there are some options out there that are, are pretty interesting right now. So, um, I you know, I, I Maggie, as I told her before the session started, I'm really happy that she's on this call too because Digo, the tool that she's developing has been uh, one that has just pushed my thinking in ways um, over the last six months or so uh, that that you know I find really interesting in terms of the potentials and just being able to even take that article on the Wall Street Journal on the, the Kindle and begin to kind of mark it up and annotate it and share those annotations with other people um, I think is a great example of that. So uh, I find this to be just a, a extremely interesting moment from a reading and writing standpoint, uh, especially coming at it as an English teacher, but you know, someone who really loves books too, the kind of, uh, I don't know if it's irony, but my wife and I were just talking before the session that, you know, we really wanted to turn uh, one of the rooms in uh, in our house into more of a library and, and meaning with physical books, you know, and um, it's it's uh, something that, that uh, definitely I want to continue to have in my life, those physical books, but uh, physical books in many ways are becoming less and less um you know, uh, convenient, let's say, from a from a thinking standpoint, certainly from a sharing standpoint and from a conversation standpoint. So I want to drill down a little, because part of what Stephen Johnson says is just that when you have one of these devices, you can read what you want to read at the moment you want to read it. And that's interesting to me and compelling. But it was more this concept of some ability to interact with each other. For me, this really started with Amazon. Where I would, you know, where I go to Amazon because I'm just so fascinated by how what other people have to say about books. And and Will, if you're willing, let's have you share that page 
from the Stephen Johnson article and sort of talk about not just going to Amazon and reading other people's comments, but a book reading environment in which you can actually see comments on, on paragraphs or even lines or words that, that another reader has about an author's material. So can, do you mind pulling that up? Yeah, I can see that now, hopefully. So this is coming up. This is called a desktop share. And you should be able to see Will, uh, Will's browser window at this point. And this is the Stephen Johnson article in the Wall Street Journal. And in a minute, you're going to see some highlightings that the Digo tool allows. And we'll get to, to Maggie in a second to explain the technology behind this. But Will, do you want to scroll over and kind of describe what conversations are taking place there? Sure. And I don't, I don't know how well you can see this. Hopefully, you can. I know many people are probably familiar with Digo who are in the room. But uh, if you're not, it's a tool that allows you to highlight any web page, but then also to annotate it. And uh, the really cool part of it is that you can then have kind of conversations, as Steve mentioned, on particular paragraphs or particular lines. And um, I, I just find it really fascinating. In fact, I've gotten to the point now where a lot of times when I find what I think is a provocative article, I'll go ahead and, and uh, I don't know if this is a verb yet, but digo it up, right? And, and then go and uh, put a tweet out on Twitter and say, hey, here's something really interesting. I just degoed it. How about people come in and, and add their own comments? And, and uh, it's been really cool to, to engage in kind of the back and forth um, uh, that, uh, that people, you know, one of the ideas that they want to leave on any one of these particular, um, you know, annotations that I've left here. Um, I do want to say just real fast, and I know we want to move on to other people, but really fast, I, this has really gotten me thinking it, it, that it's not so much the Kindle for me, um, and I don't have a Kindle. Um, I've been kind of waffling as to whether or not to get one, but I've decided what I really want is that I just want books on the cloud, and I, I don't want them to be device specific, um, but I want those books on the cloud to be accessible by, obviously, by any device that that uh, I have to connect to them. But I also want annotations like this to be accessible if I choose to read them and if I choose to to engage with them. And um, I want all that stuff to be writable from my phone, from my computer, you know, from wherever I am. So. Um, because I love to mark up books, and I would love to mark up books with people. And I know we have a couple people, you know, Book Glutton, that, that begins that process. And I think that that's really cool. But um, I really like these sticky note annotations a great deal. And I've been pestering Maggie to go one step further and uh, let us start to tag individual comments. Because then I think um, we can really begin to connect ideas on kind of like the line or paragraph level which uh, for me, um, personally, uh, that would be my, my new notebook and uh, a way of organizing the web that uh, I couldn't even have thought about even you know, just uh, a few months ago. So I'm sure that Travis and Aaron are chomping at the bit to, to get a word in edgewise. I promise you're going to get a good shot here. But, but before we, we move on, Maggie, uh, we've talked about annotating the web for years, and there have been a variety of tools that have done this. What's, what's been different about Digo, do you think, that's, that's made it more accessible in this way? And do you see this as a part of Digo's mission? Do you think that this, uh, this potential discussion around books is, a, is, a, is a one part of your larger mission, or, or is it um, uh, what, what, to what degree is it a part of your mission? Um, I'm going to babble the question out there. 
Uh, go ahead, Maggie. Yes, first of all, thank you um, for inviting me again. This is a very interesting topic indeed. Um, before I, I um, address some of your questions, I think we need to step back a little bit um, and talk about uh, what Zito, uh, how Zito came about. And I think, as you all know, uh, there are so much resources uh, going way beyond um, just the confines of a physical book or um, a digital book um, such as Kindles and so on, uh, because more and more uh, information are all uh, shared online and so on. And in that sense, um, because it's, you know, for most, most of us who are interested in this type of knowledge uh, management and knowledge sharing, first of all, um, how people came about is that you have to develop a tool that benefits you as a person uh, for your personal productivity and so on. And as, as, as it goes on, uh, immediately when you started to benefiting you personally, then the collaboration, the sharing, and so on becomes a lot more natural. And I think, um, uh, yes, indeed, um, it's you know, this web annotation for, the, for yourself or for uh, sharing with colleagues and so on. It takes a little while uh, uh, you know, to, for people to get used to it, uh, to, to try the tools and so on. And definitely, uh, as time's involved, uh, definitely we're seeing a lot more impact. And so, uh, we are definitely evolving very quickly uh, with the market, with the technology, and uh, we're just excited to be part of it. So, Maggie, it's a little difficult to hear you, but I, I want to. I think I heard something in there that, that was really intriguing to me. And I want to drill down on it. Did, did I hear you say that the tool has to be useful to you as an individual so that then the sharing is kind of natural and, and brings a second value? Is that part of what you said? Uh, yes, absolutely. I think that um, you know, there have been many attempts at uh, web annotation before. And somehow, um, it just doesn't feel quite natural um, because uh, for, for many people, it, it feels like it's a must learn and so on. So until most people see the value of it uh, and start using it themselves individually, um, then everything else will, 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 will come naturally. And, and um, um, that's, that's how we see people kind of evolving uh, in, in, in a very natural way. So Maggie, I'm really sorry that it's so hard to hear you because people are dying to hear what you have to say. Uh, I'm, you and I have got to go together to buy a, a microphone for you for sure that we know is clear because um, you have so much good stuff to say and, and it's very hard to hear you. I'm so sorry that's the case. Why don't we come back in just uh, a minute and see if we can bring you back in. But I want to give Travis and Aaron a chance now to, having heard the setup, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and um, and where you think you see things going? Thanks, Steve, and thanks for inviting us here. Um, well, uh, we've been working on Book Button for about two and a half years, and uh, the reason uh, we actually started working on it is because uh, both of us have so many friends that live all around the world, and we wanted to talk about books with them. And, and talking about books online is is notoriously difficult. Reading long text has never been easy, um, and the whole uh, 
the whole ability to um, to comment on things as you're reading them or or discuss them in real time was was really lacking. So we put together uh, booklet.com, which is a way to discuss long format text. Uh, we actually started looking uh, primarily at fiction uh, and to talk about them in real time. I'm going to try to share my screen here, <coughs> and we'll see if I can. I'll give it about 30 seconds here. Do you know how to do that, there Travis? Yes, I do. Uh, it well, should be sharing you. now. Uh, is, are people seeing this, hopefully? Okay, excellent. Uh, so what Book Button does is uh, it allows you to talk in real time inside a book. Uh, there are two ways to talk. Obviously, some people like to read alone, and we didn't want to disable that. So we spent a lot of time on the interface trying to figure out how to marry the community aspect with the solitary aspect. And I should say that I don't think reading has ever been entirely a solitary event. Uh, you may read alone from time to time, but reading has always been about talking about what you've read and sharing your ideas with other people. Uh, so we did allow the ability to close both the, the chat and the annotations. But, but let me run through the, the interface really quickly here. Uh, both of the interactive pieces slide out from the center. And what I have open right now is the ability to chat inside a book. So uh, I can limit this to, the, to a specific chapter if I want. So right now, I'm talking through the whole book uh, with one other person. But if I wanted to, uh, I could uh, talk just in this chapter. Uh, I can also. Uh, leave a, an annotation on any chapter, so if I just or any paragraph. So if I just click on this paragraph, I see right here that someone has already left a comment on it, and I can also tell uh, from this little uh, mark in the margin that there's something there, and I can read it. Someone said something. Someone's responded to it. So what we wanted to do is, is give people the ability to discuss things in real time or to leave notes and come back and talk about them. And um, as we see more text moving to the web, uh, it's obvious that digital reading isn't going away. We're hoping to represent the kind of interactivity that you see with uh, in real life. In real life, you are able to open the book, flip to a part of it, point to it, and talk to somebody about it. And I think that's important to have in a digital setting as well. Uh, Aaron, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, well, thanks for having us, Steve. Um, I, uh, it's really exciting to see people talking about these things because we've been sort of making this idea happen for two years now, and um, it's you know when we started it was hard to get people to even take the idea of reading a book on on the web seriously, um, and now they're kind of seeing the possibilities, which I love. Um, but um, the main the main reason that we built Book Glutton was just that we we know that. Uh, and probably not too long, um, the web will be the primary way that we consume text. Um, and I'm convinced that books are not going to be left out of that equation. Um, so books will evolve in parallel with the web. Um, and we wanted to kind of take that forward <coughs> by creating a good experience for reading a book on the web, because of course they've been they've had a presence there since the birth of the web. Uh, but the experience of reading them and the accessibility and the ability to 
to get contemporary content has always been lacking. Uh, and so we're we're trying to kind of uh, just take, take this to the next level, really. Um, and I, I've uh, I've been responsible for implementing the technology on this. And uh, I'm a writer, so I come from a background of, of reading and writing. I was an English major. I have I have an MFA, uh, and uh, you know I also have a technical background. So. I set myself the challenge of, of building something um, that that had never been built before for books that would actually do them justice as uh, you know as I saw them with to the level of respect that I had for them. Okay, so this has been terrific so far. I'm just uh, so excited about the discussion, and there are a lot of people have said, oh, you know, how come I didn't know about Book Glutton? So one of the interesting things for me has been that I, even with, I love netbooks, but even with my netbooks, I, f I don't want to read in a sitting position. And I'm not comfortable sitting in a chair holding my computer. So I actually bought the Sony Reader uh, in part because I, I like its ability to, to naturally read PDFs. And it was cheap, relatively inexpensive. Um, and I want a portable device. Have you thought at Book Glutton about how you get from this web reader to the portable devices that people want to use, and, and how are we going to get there? I can address that. I can't tell if Travis wants to. Um, Travis, if you do, just jump in on me. Um, uh, well, as I said, books are going to evolve with the web. And uh, whether whether they're on mobile devices or on laptops doesn't change that fact. And in fact, um, I believe that mobile devices are also going to develop in parallel with the web. And as you, you can see uh, just in the last couple of years that the web is becoming the web as we know it on our laptops. It's becoming that way on mobile devices as well, uh, mostly due to things like the WebKit browser, which is what's behind Safari, and um, uh, mobile devices that are more powerful and can behave more like desktop browsers. And so um, again, uh, you see these things kind of evolving in parallel. And I think we're getting to the point where, the, where they're all converging now. And because our, our technology is a web-based technology, uh, of course it can be ported to, to any device that has a capable web browser in it, which is you know, the pool is increasing uh, every year. And um, what, what we're doing is trying to refine the core capabilities of it uh, as well as the, um, the experience itself before we make that, that leap. Um, I think we have a ways to go in terms of processing power and screen size on a lot of mobile devices. But I think we're at the point now where uh, a lot of things are going to be making that leap. And uh, certainly our, our technology is one of those things. Uh, can I, if I can just step in, Aaron. Um, one of the interesting things is if you have a Kindle, you may have noticed that even your Kindle has a browser. And they need to do that because people get so much of their information from the web right now. They, they have their blogs. They, they're used to um, consuming information that way. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's kind of smart to take the web bet there and assume that that's the way things are going to go. Um, and you know, maybe someday you'll be reading book Latin on your Kindle. We would think that's great. We're, we're about the experience of reading, not really the technology. 
I see, if I could, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, if I could just say one other thing here. I see a lot of comments about copyright uh, in, uh, going on, and copyright is, is obviously a huge issue to tackle, as is getting content. Uh, right now, we're primarily public domain and creative commons works. We have some authors that are promoting their work through our site, so we do have some original author work. But our goal is to eventually have contemporary work on here that people can, can purchase and discuss together. Uh, just like you would at a real bookstore, you both go in, you buy the book, you talk about it. And some publishers, a lot of the publishers are interested in the idea, but getting from the idea stage to actually signing on the dotted line for a web-based technology is, it, it's, um, it's quite a path. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because I do see a lot of conversation in the margin about technology or copyright. So I think Maggie wants to jump back in and has changed her mic. Shall we try again, Maggie? How is this? Is this a little bit better? It is a little bit better. Okay. Can I give it a try? Sure. Sure. Okay. Great. I think all those things are really indeed quite incredible um, because actually, from our perspective. Um, all the online resources is going definitely going beyond just web pages. It's going to go into uh, PDFs and, and various formats, and definitely going to mobile, uh, everything. And we're pursuing uh, uh, support of all those formats. And one of the very interesting um, uh, trends and, and application that we see from Google usage is that uh, teachers are starting to compile. For example, if they are teaching a subject. They're starting to compile various resources uh, uh, online and compile them into quote unquote their own digital book, uh, own digital bundle of resources uh, for their classroom. And uh, so, in that sense, uh, teacher, there's many uh, many ways that um, uh, you know as you present this bundle of resources uh, to share with other people, um, some very creative uh, construction and, and active reading can happen. So um, thanks, Maggie. I, I'm, I've got several directions I want to go. Uh, um, what I'd like to do is to make sure that those of you who are listening get a chance to ask some questions. So I haven't been able to follow the chat. It's been zipping by. Um, uh, there are two more questions I want to ask, and then let's open it up quickly. So first I want to go back to Bob. And um, Bob, I'm interested in the potential here, not just for the collaboration of the readers with each other, once the book is published. But do you think we'll see collaboration before the books even get published? Do you think that's coming? Um, I may be misunderstanding the question, Steve, because um, collaboration seems to happen a lot of times before books are published. So I'm wondering if I might be misunderstanding uh, how you're defining collaboration. Yeah, I didn't do a good job there. Or, or, I, I, or before, I or maybe specifically, I'm sorry. I meant specifically eliciting reader contribution collaboration in early forms, which obviously takes place in a limited way. Well, I mean, I think people do that quite a bit already. I think they did. I think they. I think authors that. Um, Valued that process, did that anyway. It's just 
it's just easier now with the technology. And I guess that's kind of how I look at most of this because you know people who you take some of the books and it's, it's I can't even think there's so many of them that did this where they did case studies obviously or they asked people's opinions they found out from their potential readers what they'd like to see and what they wanted to know about and they did that there was collaboration it was just a lot it was just done a lot differently back then now the collaboration happens in real time you know if you're doing it on twitter or instant message on facebook or just you can you know you can put out a uh, or you can put out a notification for people we just as a matter of fact um, we're talking about some subtitle we're thinking of subtitles for our next book john david mans and my next book and we um, we put out a, a survey, a very intense survey, to about 25 people who we knew, liked, and trusted to throw different subtitles by them. Now, you know, could we have done this before the internet? Well, of course, absolutely. But this way, it took just a couple of days, as opposed to taking weeks or months to put together. So that's really what I see as the big difference. I don't really see it as, you know, will people collaborate before a book? I, you know, in my, in, you know, when I say it, it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily right just because I'm saying it. But my feeling is, it's always been done. It's just easier to do it now. So, Aaron, if you're so willing, Aaron, I'd love to have you step in here because I think I was thinking. Uh, thanks, Bob. I think I was thinking more of, will it become more common to expect that the book becomes a work is is a work in progress from the very get go. And and Aaron, you seem to be familiar with the O'Reilly Rough Cuts and I'm not that familiar. Are you willing to explain that, that you you put that in the chat? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm uh, I only have a, a passing knowledge of it. Um the, the basic idea is that um, the work is offered um, as a special Deal to, to certain members who can then read it before the actual final uh, edition is is out there, which which also which goes both to digital and print. And rough cuts, I believe, are only are only available in digital form. Um, I don't know how much interaction happens on those. I, I imagine that um, that there's that there's a way that the author can get feedback because I think that's one of the advantages for the author of doing that. Um, I also don't know what format they're presented in, or if, or if conversations can evolve uh, from from inside the text itself or not. So I'm going to have to take that as homework and look that up and and blog about it later. Um, the last question I want to ask before we open it up is: There are certain books that I feel like, in many ways, are, are milestones in my life. To what degree does, do you as a panel feel that there will be a confluence uh, of this kind of commenting on books with social networking, where people will actually gather around a book as a part of their life community, as a, as a community that they feel a part of? Are you seeing that take place in places, uh, and do you think it's going to be uh, something significant? Go ahead, Travis. <clears throat> Definitely. I, I think... Um Books are going to continue to be a big part of people's lives. I, I certainly don't think they're going to go away. And the, particularly the younger generation, uh, people in their 20s, are so used to living the rest of their life online that I think it's going to be very natural for this um, for this part of their life to, to, to continue online as well, to, to read online or to read on devices. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I think it's going to stick around. Uh, and I don't think that paper books are going to go away for a while. I mean, I think there's going to be a good 10 years here where we see this, maybe longer, this convergence of, of more than one way to do things. Will, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'll just jump in. I, I agree. I think that paper books are going to be around for a, a pretty long time still. I, I think that they there's just a lot of value. And I, I love the fact that my 9- and 11-year-old kids are, you know, reading paper books and, and starting to, I think, uh, connect to that kind of, you know, tangible um, sit in a beanbag chair and read type of thing. Not that you can't do that with a computer, but I like that, they're, that they are experiencing uh, paper books as well. Um, you know, to your question, Steve, about, you know, even the great books, uh, will they be socially annotated? And um, I think, you know, from a classroom standpoint, I think it's a really interesting perspective. I would, uh, I, I keep thinking, what, it would, what would it have been like when I was teaching, you know, the literature courses that I was teaching at school, if, uh, if my kids could socially annotate, you know, um, a particular uh, text? Um, uh, in this case, a novel or something, you know, uh, The Secret Life of Bees, let's say, because, I, you know, I, I started blogging with that one. But what if they could have marked that up and what if they could have, um, you know, seen each other's comments, seen kind of the the uh, reflections and experiences that, that kids might have brought to that? I mean, would that have been chaos? Would it have been manageable? Um, I, I think it would have a real value add, especially for some kids who are really reticent in class and and might want to talk in, in writing uh, more than, you know, talk with voice. So um, I think it's a, a pretty interesting, uh, again, potential for classrooms. I'm not sure that I would, I would read a great book on my own with people from around the world, let's say. Uh, I keep thinking more about nonfiction books, you know. Um, but uh, from a classroom standpoint, it might be pretty cool. And I'll give up the mic for Aaron. Oh, thanks, Will. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, in a way, I think we've we've taken for granted what books are. Books have always been social, and and we always, as individuals, um, even if we connect with a book privately, we always come to it um, through some social context. Whether it's reading a review of it, um, having a friend loan it to you, being in a library and seeing uh, seeing it lying on a table and picking it up randomly. Uh, whatever it is, whether whether you read it in English class in high school or whether you picked it up uh, in in old age, um, the ways that we connect to books are social dimensions. And um, I think that when you when you start to translate that, as everything else that we do has has become translated to an online world, you um, you create communities where they couldn't be created before around books that perhaps are more obscure or, or perhaps um, just couldn't find enough of a, of a following um, to generate the kinds of interesting conversations and, and uh, eye-openers that, that you get from discussing books. Um, the mere fact that, I, I, you know, I don't know whether um, every book will become, will take on all of these other dimensions, but I do know that that when, when books make this full transition to a networked environment, that the ability to uh, you know, post a paragraph or a sentence of a paragraph and your thoughts about it to all of the various social networks that you belong to, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever the next big social networks are, is, is going to have a profound impact on 
the books that get read, the books that get purchased, and the books that we're interested in, and the books that we as a society talk about. Go ahead, Maggie. I thought Aaron's made some great points. Um, in addition to that, I think the ability to be able to offer a future discussion, which means that whether you want to discuss something publicly or uh, in certain uh, uh, groups or in private and so on, uh, we definitely add um, the filter and the control uh, environment of the conversation. So it seems to me that there are possibly two themes that have just come out uh, that I'd like to, to ask how you feel about. So one would be that there are different uses of books. So there can still be different forms of books, meaning there may be some books that I want to read electronically and want to converse about, and, and others that I, that I don't, that, that I'm going to want in, in physical form, people make notes in the margins the way that I normally would. And the second sort of theme or division for me might be that sometimes we want to talk about a book in a small group, like there's a, like a great Russian novel the class discusses amongst the class, but that there would be other written content that you'd want a national or international discussion about, like something like global warming where there, you'd want fact checking and you'd want backup and resources. So are those valuable distinctions to make? Well, I'll just jump in and say absolutely. I think that, uh, and again, I, like I chatted in there just now, going back to Digo, that's one of the things I love about Digo is that um, even though that Stephen Johnson page is open to the world um, and anybody can chime in, I can also get in there with just a real small group of people, like five or six people who may have an interest in that um, and have a very kind of you know local conversation about that as well. So I absolutely think that 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 flexibility in how we talk about it is is going to be paramount. Um, and uh, I, I really am. I, I'm I'm looking forward to that day when when it becomes, uh, you know, kind of there's the opportunity at least to read socially uh, with others on just about any text that you like if you want to. And obviously you don't have to, but um, if if you if you do want to share that with a large group, small group, people you don't know, or just people you do know, I think that that's going to be a cool time when that comes. So if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, if you've been thinking about the future of books and you think you have something significant to say, go ahead and click on the hand with the green up arrow and raise your hand and we'll let you take the mic. While we're waiting to hear from you, uh, I guess I have another sort of general question, which is, the superabundance of content that, that now is taking place, that uh, I'm a, I have availability of more content and it's and I have more commentary from others. Um, how how do we how do we personally manage that, uh, and how are you managing it? So, Valerie, uh, you can ignore that question or ask your own. I'm going to give you the mic and go ahead and give it a try. You click on the microphone button in the audio box to talk. And I can see that you've turned your mic on, but we're not actually hearing you. So I'm wondering if you ran the audio setup wizard. So go up to Tools, Audio, and run the audio setup wizard because your mic's not coming through, unfortunately. Or you can leave a um, note in the chat. So what about volume and our own ability to, to, to find pockets and areas where we want to be Involved in conversations and, and maybe to let others go. How do we how do we do that? 
I heard something. Can you there. hear me now? Oh, good. <laughs> oh, this is Valerie. Um, and now I'm talking from New Mexico. I'm a, a a teacher and a reading coach, and I was kind of listening in on the social contacts uh, contact part. And then I was starting to think about, but wouldn't this divide the social status of all people where right now as an educator I am uh, concerned about students, children all over the world if they're reading at level. And books, I'm handing it out, getting them into their home. And I live on the Navajo Reservation. So I, I guess I'm thinking about culture and economics. When I'm sitting here, I'm in a classroom. I'm very fortunate. I'm with the school that has all this computer, this high tech, and then just the cost of uh, satellite, the cost of getting all these equipment. I was noticing these conversations that's going on in the chat box. And I'm thinking, you've got to have a lot of money just to get to that point to read a book online. So how does that affect, um, I guess, the social status? So that's a great question. Any panel or audience, how do you answer that question? Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I always think of technology as a, as a kind of great leveler. Um, and, and there are certainly um, infrastructure requirements and, and costs to getting access and, and equipment and things like that. Um, but I think we're getting very close to where, where those baseline requirements can be taken care of uh, at much, much cheaper than, than they used to be. And um, I think with, with open technologies and with, with the web I, uh, moving towards uh, a pervasive uh, medium, we're, we're getting to where uh, it, it will, I think, actually level things out a little bit. So, Aaron, I'm glad you brought that up, and maybe I'll um, riff on that just for a second. So, uh, the reason I bought the Sony Reader was that it was available for $199 from Borders on a special deal, and that was at a price point where I felt like I could experiment and and justify uh, trying it out. And it, uh, as soon as I fired up the Sony software, it made it clear that I had access to um, some large number of books through Google. So I'm, uh, I, I pr totally appreciate the question and see the, the value of it. At the same time, I, you know, is it possible to argue that the prices of those readers are going to come down to a point where it will actually give the student, for lesser or the same cost, access to much, much more literature than previously they've had? Is, would that be fair to think that way? I, I think that's fair, but I, I also think that you have to look at where we're headed. And I don't think that um, buying more hardware is necessarily what we need to do right now um, for that situation. One of the great things about BookLudden is that it runs in a web browser. And um, if you don't have uh, computer terminals with web browsers in a school, you're, you're really doing a disservice to the students there. Uh, it's, it doesn't cost very much, and it's a tool that they need to know how to use if they're going to get by in the world today. So um, I think the idea that we need to pay extra money for another hardware device to read books 
just because that's how we get those books is uh, kind of passe. I think we're at the point where the books can go online. They are going online. Google has 10 million books available uh, for free, absolutely, through a web browser. Um, and granted, some, some parts of them are not available because of copyright restrictions. But there is a lot of book content already online, and it's absolutely free. Well, the first thing, I, I'm a great Jane Austen fan, and the first thing I did was download all this Jane Austen. And I thought, wow, this is just so wonderful. So good points, I think, on both sides of that. Um, okay, so we have about eight minutes to go. Uh, I'm, in, in order to be sensitive and get people on time, I'm actually going to put the link up for the evaluation survey for uh, tonight's event. You can pull it away from your screen so that it's not in the way. But uh, moderators, please don't close that window down, because if you close it down, it will close down for everyone. While you're thinking of more questions or comments, just to want to give a thanks to KnowledgeWorks uh, Foundation and Illuminate for, for helping to support this event and let you know that coming up tomorrow night is a special on my brands and social media with Joyce Galenza and guests, which should be terrific. Saturday I'm doing a sneak peek of LearnCentral.org on Classroom 2.0 Live. And then future interviews coming up are John C.D. Brown, David Thornburg, Clay Shirky, well, you'll enjoy that because you've interviewed him. Douglas Rushkoff and Doc Searles are all coming up uh, in July, probably. Okay, so back to uh, audience questions or comments. Anything anybody would like to add? Or panelists, have you thought of something that you think that we need to make sure we mention as a part of the future of books and reading? Well, I'll just jump in real fast, and I'll give it to you, Travis. But uh, I, I did put in a quote there that I think uh, from Donald Liu that I really like a lot, and and that is, you know, we, we can't just read as readers any longer. We read as writers. Uh, we write as readers. Uh, the the the, uh, the roles are really getting mixed, and uh, in, in anything that we do now, from a from a reading standpoint, there's almost an expectation of participation that I think is different from the way that we used to participate. I agree that reading's always been social. Um, but I think the connections that we can make now are so much more immediate, so much more global, so much um, kind of more flexible that, uh, you know, from a teaching standpoint, again, from an education standpoint, if we're not helping our kids see reading as a participatory event, um, then, you know, I think we're, we're missing a huge opportunity. Travis, go ahead. I just wanted to say that um, I really hope that the publishing industry can come around in the next year. And I know they've got their share of, of issues with um, lost sales in the paper arena. But um, really, I think they're, they're very afraid of piracy. But what they've got is a lot of underserved customers that are really yearning to get access to books conveniently, affordably. Um, that they can use in the way they interact with the rest of their life. And uh, that's something that Aaron and I struggle with on a weekly basis. Like I said, we've gotten great positive feedback from publishers. They really like the product, but there's just this pervasive level of fear in that entire industry. And I'm hoping that it will eventually catch up with the consumers that they're trying to serve. So uh, Travis and uh, Aaron, I wonder if you've read um, Disrupting Class by Clay Christensen and John Horn. Uh, I think you'd find it very interesting because they talk about um, it's the, this, the disruption theory where if you're in an industry in which you're trying to introduce a disruptive innovation, you look for audiences 
where your product fills their need, but not the need of the mainstream that will have trouble. And I'd love to drill down on that with you because I think that would be a very interesting discussion. And feel free to email me and I can send you some links. Okay, uh, about four minutes to go. Um, uh, I've invented a, a phrase, something that's Will Richardson-y. Uh, but well, that was an interesting comment. It was a concern that we maybe had never answered the question about um, access to books and, and the cost structure. And I'm, I'm wanting to make sure that we understood the question correctly. And I tried to answer it in the long term, meaning in five or ten years, will we have enough affordable devices or computers that in fact it will be less expensive to give access to great books. Um, but maybe we didn't do a good job. And, and so anybody, please feel free to comment on that or ask that question again in a, in a way that, um, that we might respond to again. So I've put the link to the evaluation uh, in the chat as well, and, and we encourage you to fill out on the web tour. Um, we're just a couple of minutes away from wrapping up. I want to make sure that uh, before we do so, if you had something you wanted to say, you could say it while we're, we're waiting for any final questions. Let's go ahead and give our panel a round of applause by clicking on the clapping hand down at the bottom of your participant window. This discussion was everything I hoped it would be. I obviously love conversation, so I'm drawn to the topic. Yeah, I just need to say it's it's really great to have panels like this because when when Aaron and I started doing this, um, there there was very little out there, and it's really exciting to see um, other people innovate as well. I mean, obviously we're pro booklet because that's what we do, but it, it's exciting to see um, a whole uh, group of companies and organizations uh, move up and and fill out the space. It, it it's exciting. Okay, well, uh, thanks to everybody in the panel. Thanks to those of you who have attended tonight. Thanks to Illuminate and KnowledgeWorks. I sure appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk together. Uh, so for the future of education, let's go ahead and close tonight. Uh, final round of applause. And then uh, you're welcome to stay in the chat as long as you would like, at least for the next 10 minutes. After that, I actually have to close it down so the recording can process. And recordings will be posted on the website uh, sometime tomorrow. So thanks, everybody. That was terrific and sure appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. So panelists, feel free to go. You just uh, close your, your Illuminate window down or go to File and Exit, and it will take you out. OK. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Aaron. Thanks for nice meeting you, you and Travis both for coming. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. I am going to get up at us Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Maggie. Meet you all. Bye. Hey. Bye, Travis. Nice to meet you guys too. Steve, thanks again. Um, Hopefully run into you at in, in DC. Um, I'll be there probably only Monday afternoon and Tuesday, but uh, hopefully we'll hook up. That'd be fun. This is a great conversation. I hope it continues.